is a bonus episode of the Steptoe Cyber Law Podcast, a quick interview uh, taking advantage of the fact that uh, Mike Darty and I are both at the same Black Hat conference. Uh, Mike Darty is the former CEO of LabMD and uh, the last man standing in fighting the FTC now that Wyndham has uh, decided to settle their case. Uh, um, Mike, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, so... It, Briefly, uh, and you can correct me, uh, LabMD uh, got in trouble with uh, uh, the FTC because they were essentially turned in by a company called Diversa, um, which had found files on a LimeWire file sharing network that uh, included uh, patient information, and uh, um, that led the FTC to pursue you uh, in a case that is still ongoing. Um, a this has spawned litigation in multiple jurisdictions, as well as a, a proceeding before the administrative law judge uh, at the FTC. And what's remarkable is no one else has taken these cases as far as uh, an administrative law judge, uh, uh, and you fought pretty hard not to. But the ALJ gave you a remarkable victory. Yeah, well, all right. well <clears throat> we, the, the reason he gave a victory was because we the the circumstances around uh, the word peer-to-peer network, uh, it, which makes it sound so grandiose, when actually it was only on our server. Our, I mean, I'm sorry, our workstation, one server, and that they came in with the intent of taking it and and getting us to buy their services by lying about that it was out there in other places. So the the real the the, 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 the this boiled down to a question of whether there was likely harm. Your argument was this file was offered for sharing, perhaps on the LimeWire network, but never actually shared. No one uh, has ever been harmed by the fact that it was offered for sharing. Right, and also, and, and even those words offered for sharing, if you roll your head back to 2006, 2007, offered for sharing, sounds like we proactively did it. When LimeWire is malware, we didn't approve it to be on there. It was a rogue employee. Every policy was out there. wasn't even downloaded by her. But people don't look at details, especially when the government's accusing you. Right. And the English language can be twisted like a pretzel. So it, I, 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 I take your point, I, and the... FTC's argument, I guess, was you should never have allowed your employee to use LimeWire in that configuration, at least, because you put the information at risk. Uh, we think your security is inadequate, and uh, it's an unfair trade practice. Right, and they can say that all day long, and then this is America, not Russia, and uh, we have to have definitions. What's unfair? What are the standards? What are the rules? And when they march into the, the court and say there's no place for business to know what to do, I feel like this is a Kafkaesque uh, thing. One of, I, I read your book, uh, The Devil Inside the Beltway, uh, and the devil is the FTC, if I remember right. Uh, and I, it was pretty clear you felt that you were essentially being held hostage. It was kind of blackmail. Either agree to our consent decree uh, or we will lock you up in litigation forever. Very, very much so. I think that is the fact that Congress and the judicial system over the past 100 years have given agencies such powers that most people outside the legal system, I would say 99% of the people outside the legal system, don't understand how much power these agencies have. And the legal, the, le- the lawyers are kind of used to it. And so they're not appalled by it. Yeah, and no, I, 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 and, I, and the, I am quite appalled by it. The, that was the best part of your right. uh, book. Was, uh, reading about all my colleagues uh, giving you perfectly good 
plausible legal advice and having you say, but that's just wrong. Well, it was wrong because, and the difference between my company and everybody else that signed consent decrees to defer respect to those that did choose to sign consent decrees is when you're doing cancer detection and you're holding 700,000 patients' information and just the rumor that you may not do it and that you signed a 20-year consent decree, that is the kiss of death in the medical world. That might be the kiss of death for, for Target or TJ Maxx or anyone else, but, but for a small cancer detection center, do you think anyone reads those consent decrees and thinks you did nothing wrong if you signed them? So your, Forget thought, it. your theory was if I accept the consent decree, I'm out of business. You have fought them and you are out of business. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, but but uh, it was uh, I but to me it was death by um, suicide or death by being murdered, and so or, or or maybe death by suffocation actually. And so I thought we were out of business either way. Uh, probably, of course, there's always parallel worlds. If it would have happened today, where we're indifferent to breaches, we really are becoming mm-hmm. numb and indifferent. I probably would have had a different decision making process. But I also probably wouldn't be killed by what they did. But at the time. Um, it, it really was outrageous. And what they do is outrageous. It boils down to, and what really everyone's missing, I think, and I think the other shoes will drop, is that the Federal Trade Commission came after LabMD with completely unverified evidence. You can't operate in so, any sort of investigative capacity coming after a health facility with jurisdiction that's questionable, except that you just gave it to yourself and no one's fought you on that yet, and then destroy a medical facility based on innuendo that you haven't verified. Haven't verified. So one of the the, the, the questions is, where is this going from here? And there are two proceedings now, uh, and and uh, or more, but uh, <laughs> two that I, both of which I thought um, uh, at first glance were overreactions. I thought the FTC, the FTC has appealed this, uh, uh, which is like doubling down on bad facts, uh, and uh, uh, and yeah, I think they just can't believe anybody has defied them, and they feel all like, they've done is double down yes. for for five years. So um, <laughs> they're going to appeal. I, um, and the, but the other thing that's going on is you have sued the three principal FTC staff mm-hmm. in their personal capacities under Bivens. Under Bivens. Uh, and uh, um, do you really think that they personally are responsible for engaging in improper behavior? Absolutely. And and, and let's talk, you know, Stanford did a, a, a quantitative analysis uh, about three, four years ago about Bivens, because the sort of casual buzzword about Bivens in the judiciary and and with lawyers is that, oh, it's a Hail Mary pass, good luck. But when you actually, there's only been one group, and that's at Stanford, that really looked at the power of Bivens. And if you take out all the prisoners that are are suing because their cells aren't good and that type of frivolous stuff, Bivens has teeth. And uh, in this situation, you, you, uh, they knowingly, structured the Privacy Institute. They were transferring medical files, which is against HIPAA and a felony. They did not verify evidence. They had so much reason to know, or they did know, everything was going on. There is, if you, again, look at the details, mm-hmm. which in this Twitter world, I will tell you, 99% of people don't. They just like the dirty laundry. Isn't that great? So they don't, they don't really believe 
quite frankly, many people probably didn't believe me until we got the ruling. So that's uh, right. one month out of seven years. So it's been real fun. But <laughs> but if you look at those facts, especially the list of lies that the FTC was given, the absolute conflicts on IP addresses, mm-hmm. uh, and that how long they knew that, um, unless those investigators were just uh, absolutely blind, uh, you know, I, and maybe they'll argue that they were blind because they'll argue anything. I mean, there is no boundaries to what they'll say. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a terrifying thing. A lot of the motivation in this entire litigation from day one and this entire battle, writing the book, everything else, was to show what powers government really has because people find a very hard time believing it. Again, outside the legal community. The legal community understands and almost doesn't want to tell their client because it's so outrageous. And uh, and hence, a lot of my lawyers that would get me yelling incredulously at them a few years ago. Yet, at the same time, I think it's important for people outside the legal community, which is why my book was written like a novel, to understand through story that these behaviors are real and that that the civics books that we were given in school have been outdated for a century and that the due process of agencies is a joke. And and, and because they go after corporations primarily and corporations tend to roll as a business decision. And so, you know, and and the media doesn't think when a company gets screwed over or abused that that's a really big story. But when a cancer detection center that's specialized in prostate cancer, when there's only, you know, six or seven in the country, there's a small business by an entrepreneur with 40 employees and all those employees get fired. And it turns out that this was all on some shakedown. It changes heads. And Furthermore, it's not just LabMD. If you, again, look at the details, the FTC put out their press release in 2010 banging their own drum that they had found nearly 100 uh, uh, files from breaches all over through P2P network, and suddenly the word breach disappears by the time they sue me. And they went after and sent letters to almost 100 companies based on unverified evidence. If if you can have agencies make stuff up along the way because they think they're providing society with a greater good and you don't understand how that can affect you, um, then maybe you don't deserve the rights we have. But I will tell you, I was outraged for medicine. I mean, my case, I really believe, is the thin wall right now between the Federal Trade Commission coming in and trumping health and human services. And I still speak to medical groups, and they have no idea who the FTC is. So um, let me ask the question then. Uh, do you see an end to this litigation? Uh, um, sure. Sure. I see an end to the litigation, but, it, you know, um, it, it really it's up to the Federal Trade Commission. They have doubled down and doubled down and doubled down. I mean, maybe, they, you, maybe, maybe you should offer them a settlement if they'll accept 20 years of supervision from you. <laughs> on their... <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that. You're such a creative mind. Um, but, but, again, I think we're in the Hail Mary Pass zone, aren't we? Um, I don't think there'll be any, um, you know, we will not be exchanging Christmas cards at the FTC, but it's not personal. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure all those people are very kind people in their own minds and think they're doing the right thing, and and I'm really hell bent on showing everybody the reality of what that does. Well, thank and you. We're not help. We're not saving cybersecurity, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is this was a terrific uh, insight. Uh, I'm happy to have anybody from the FTC who wants to come in tell their side of the story. We're glad to hear from them, but uh, thus far they have not been eager to uh, to make that uh, presentation. Uh, Mike, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Great talking to you, Stuart. All right, thank you. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.